Hi everyone, Josh and Ryan here. Welcome back to the Supercent Podcast, the personal development podcast hosted by the youngsters for once. Research shows if you put a hundred random people in a room, somewhere amongst them, there'll be just two truly incredible, inspirational people who are living their lives to the fullest. In this podcast, we bring those exact people to you week in and week out. Join us on our journey as we learn the secrets, routines and dreams of the two percenters. Okay, so today we are joined by Anthony Rose. Anthony, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. On the second episode of season two of the 2% podcast. So we're actually missing Ryan today. We had some technical difficulties. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to be interviewing Anthony by myself, but it's going to be good and ready to go. So Anthony, what we usually ask our guests to do is sort of first give a brief background on yourself and what we might be talking about in today's episode. Okay, so um, my name is Anthony and I'm a social entrepreneur, educator and lecturer. So we might be looking at stuff today covering social enterprise, social innovation, which is basically an ethical business, sustainable business, and maybe probably looking at entrepreneurship as well. Okay, so let's start off at the start of that journey. You went to, was it the University of Lincoln to do your undergraduate? That's absolutely right, yeah. So what did you do for university? Ah, so um, when I went to university, I actually did the two subjects that I did best at A-level when I was at school. So I actually went and did um, a law and business degree. So I did that for um, three years. So I was doing all sorts of different things like um, European Union law, contract law, um, environmental law, and then looking at a lot of business things such as strategic management, um, sustainability. And I suppose some of that um, later down the line led to my interest in social enterprise. When I was at university, I kind of wanted to make myself stand out more when I was trying to get work experience. So as well as working for law firms, for internships, I wanted to also just put more on my CV, make myself more attractive. So I did a lot of volunteering or um, looked at other sectors that I could work in. So I came across a few companies in the social enterprise sector, but um, I originally, initially didn't realise there were social enterprises. Okay. So actually... So when did you first sort of find out about social enterprise and what they were? It's probably a year after I started working for the first one that I worked for. So... Um, yeah, after. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange because I worked for a company called the Education Business Partnership and I, um, I was working as a mentor on a programme called the National Citizen Service. It's like a government... They do like government youth programmes and a lot of them are run by social enterprises such as the Education Business Partnership. But um, so I worked for them. But then it was a year later, I actually found out about a company called Elephant Branded, and I I found out about them through a strange outlet. I actually saw them through a TV program called Be Your Own Boss, and it was like a Dragon's Den type show. But there was only one dragon, and that dragon was Richard Reed, the then co-founder of Instant of the Instant Drinks, and um, Elephant Branded were one of the companies to pitch for investment on there and then I really loved what they did so I looked them up online and they were looking for um, student reps, student ambassadors so I, I applied, got on and started um, representing them on campus through talks, pop-up stands, partnering with other societies and then I was posting it on social media and then um, basically um, Elephant Ryan loved what I was doing and they asked me if I could represent them at other universities and at other events as well 
Um, so I really enjoyed it. So I mean, I've got some of the products with me today. So they've got like they make products that have recycled material. Yeah. Um, so yeah, explain what what is a social enterprise for those that don't know. Ah, a lot of people ask. There's so many misconceptions about social enterprise, but they're essentially companies that operate like normal businesses, but they um, have a, a mission towards society or the environment just to create um, change or impact. Because um, when, when people ask me, you know, what, what's the social enterprise or what's, um, what's the social entrepreneur? Um, I've had, weirdly enough, people ask me, are you someone who goes out a lot? <laughs> like, and, yeah, and I say yes I do I, I do go out and network and an that likes yeah. to party yeah. but I mean yeah I mean if, if you mean go out and network sure sure <laughs> um, but yeah I think some people also think they're charities but yeah. they are legit businesses and one person even with a straight face asked me are you a socialist no, no. <laughs> so yeah social enterprise is just a normal business that has a mission just to create some some good really in the world so that, that's it really I think that is the common misconception is that they're a charity is like that's what I was kind of confused about at first that they are self-sustaining businesses that sort of reinvest their profits back into what they do right that's exactly right yeah a lot of ch- you can have charities as a social enterprise but they're usually businesses but um yeah they do reinvest their profits you know back into the business but also into positive causes as mm-hmm. well so so, go on then, give us uh, sort of some of the examples of the social enterprises that you worked for and got involved ah, with. So, um, perfect example here. My, I've got a bottle of, uh, from Give Me Tap. Um, so, they make reusable water bottles and their profits go towards water projects in Africa. So, they'll set up um, water committees and communities there and they'll help find water sources like uh, wells and drains and, and water holes and they'll, they'll create the, the water pumps. Uh, for the villages, so they they donate some of their profits to water water projects, but they partner with a lot of companies as well, who so they do like co-brand bottles, and they give it a lot to their employees for like their corporate social responsibility. So um yeah, the this company they partner with a lot of companies as well as consumers. Another example, my headphones. So this is a company called uh, Listen Sound Company. Okay. Um, so they're actually a company that are based in LA, but I was one of their UK. Um, representatives and they just make headphones uh, speakers and other stuff out of reclaimed wood and then they actually donate some of their profits towards hearing aids so they actually work with a charity called Starkey Hearing Foundation and they help distribute um, hearing aids across the globe so you know they've got products that's up to do with audio and sound but they're also giving back the gift of sound which I really love and then another example my belt or my wallet. <laughs> Everything of, on Anthony is from a social enterprise. That's pretty much it. I'm like a walking, talking billboard. <laughs> is that the best way to describe it? But again, it's a company called Elvis and Cress. They make products that are recycled fire hose and they donate um, their profits towards the, um, the fire service and charities supporting the fire service in London. But also they've got a big um, eco-mission by saving, obviously, leather. Um, and they recently partnered with Burberry as well to, to, to use their leather as well to make products. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, that's And then, one other example of my socks, social enterprise called Stand for <laughs> Socks. So they were set up by um, a guy at Manchester Uni, and I met him at a conference a few years ago, and they basically donate, using profits to actually donate a pair of socks to another homeless person in need. So there's definitely a lot of different... Um, a lot of causes that social enterprises yeah, yeah. obviously support. That's cool. So let, let's go back then. So you were uh, originally studying for this 
business and law degree and typically people sort of don't see lawyers as very nice people right so how did you go from this journey wanting to be uh, a lawyer perhaps to then sort of having a big change of heart and thinking actually I'm not going to pursue a career in law I'm going to go down this social enterprise route I think there's a lot of reasons actually for why I changed uh, from law to um, to social enterprise I think the first one was I really enjoyed studying law but then when I worked and did like work experience with law firms, I got to see what it was like and I just kind of felt, I didn't really feel right in it. But, and then when I was obviously working for some social enterprises when I was at university, I saw I was enjoying that a lot more. And because these companies were making me do talks or they're making me do different events, I felt I was developing a lot more soft skills and other skills that I wasn't learning at university. So I thought actually I was really enjoying this a lot more. But I suppose as well, one thing that influenced me was um, I did an event, Forgive Me Tap, at um, a conference held by Unlimited, um, which is a big UK social enterprise supporter. And it was hosted by a lady called Melody Husseini. So she's this social entrepreneur who um, was on The Apprentice, I think back in 2011, and she made it to the rounds before the interviews. And I saw her journey where she, she was studying to be a lawyer and then she actually worked, uh, got some experience in youth work, and then she, she ended up setting up a social enterprise working with youth. And I thought, I looked at that and I thought, actually, maybe it's something that I could possibly do myself as well. Yeah. So I think my passion was more for, for social enterprise. I mean, it's like that song, it's really cheesy, but I think it's Flashdance, the film Flashdance. It's that take your passion and make it happen. <laughs> so I felt like I'll try and use that. But I, I did I did I did have reservations at first and you know, I thought law was the probably the yeah, safe bet. bet. So I always had in my mind that I'd um, you know, I'd look at law and possibly do that. But then I, I just knew in my heart that I wasn't gonna enjoy it. So Yeah, so how did you sort of realise what did you mean by you didn't feel like you fit in at those law firms during the experience? To be honest with you, I I it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it, it's more so I could see like an insight into the work and I think there's a lot of stresses, especially if you're working for clients and potentially you could be working for someone who potentially might be in the wrong in a dispute, but you yeah. still have to obviously do the best to them. And I think for me, morally, that, that was something. And then also the fact that with law firms, uh, we didn't realise this when we started studying it, but law firms obviously um, a business. They got to bring in money, so they obviously got to you know, do what it takes to get the best result, even if it meant that it wasn't quite right. So I think... That was something that always that was always played on my mind. You know, I've been around yeah, yeah. sometimes, and I think working with some solicitors, they would give me an insight and tell me, "Oh, it can be quite stressful. Um, you have to take a lot of work home, and um, you know, there's a lot of pressures and stresses at home in the evenings." And I thought, I didn't think that was for me to be honest. So um, when I looked at social enterprise, I thought it's actually something more positive, especially the outlook and the perspective. I suppose people as well, you know, I mean, I met a lot of lawyers and solicitors and they're quite nice, but I think with social entrepreneurs, I, I felt like I could relate to them more, you know. Yeah. So when you said, like, you had your reservations at first, I, I'm not surprised, like, it's a very big decision to jump from that safety net into something a lot more risky. But I guess, was it the, like, was it your moral compass and this sort of fear of the stress, etc., that made it easier to make that decision? I think so, and I think, um, yeah, I think, I think the stresses was definitely something I looked at because I thought I didn't really, I, want, I looked at quality of life and I thought 
even though you know a law a Korean law is, is quite lucrative it can also bring around its stresses and actually sometimes it's not worth the money whereas actually social enterprise it's more rewarding even though it's financially might not be as rewarding as a Korean law I still felt that quality of life and just general well-being I thought it was easy it was a lot a lot a lot better oh that's that's good that's something we focus on a lot in the tips and podcasts as well is because like if you join a big safe career like that you you could like you say you could definitely be rich but would you be wealthy in terms of your lifestyle and and how you're feeling day to day yeah i suppose it is what, what you value in life to be honest and i suppose i value obviously my family friends loved ones i suppose as well i've always wanted to help make a difference you know and I think when I was at university, I try and make myself stand out more by doing you know, like volunteering or like working for social enterprises. And I think when I initially started all that, I kind of did it for the wrong reasons because I thought to make myself look good. <laughs> so it was more for selfish reasons, but then I felt I was enjoying it more, more, more passionate about causes and impact. And um, that was actually more fulfilling than say like a, if I won an award at university or something. It's, yeah. I just felt that was more, so much more rewarding and satisfying. That's interesting you say that because I, I read something recently that um, a guy who'd done very well in um, social entrepreneurship and he said there's a lot of people in the community that are doing it for the wrong reasons perhaps and like it's very easy to sort of be doing it to win awards because there's so many. Uh, do, do you see that a lot in, in the community or? I'm not sure actually because I, I know a lot of, there's a lot of social enterprises that win awards and sometimes I feel like sometimes they can't help it because actually because they get recognition people see what they're doing so yeah just fair enough but then i suppose there's some people with the mindset of they want to be seen as heroes mm-hmm. and stuff and i suppose that could that could be seen in two ways actually they've been really generally want to make a difference but then some people it might just be ego, trying to put exactly. them ego exactly yeah. but that's really interesting because even sometimes when i've won awards i'll sometimes shout out about it oh it's, it's great because but then I'll give a shout out to those who nominated me or yeah. the people that made me made it happen or made it possible um, and you, you won an award recently didn't you? I did actually I won um, an award with Doncaster Chamber the best newcomer um, it's just basically they celebrated businesses that worked with young people in schools in the, okay. in the borough I was actually quite embarrassed actually to win because I wasn't <laughs> expecting it but I did I did share it as well because I thought it's quite nice and I'd, I'd thank them and before it's good to obviously there's always that little bit that you think you can use it for marketing, but obviously got to still stay quite humble. Don't, no, don't milk course, it too yeah, much. Yeah. If you, you know, no, if you win an award, then yeah, I think you've got your right to, like you say, use it as marketing, and and that's where you sort of build your you know reputation, isn't it? But I, I think what he was touching on is if people are purely motivated by those extrinsic factors rather than like you are for the good of the work that you do. So if someone wants to work for a social enterprise. How would you sort of recommend him finding them and do it? Because you, you went to a few, didn't you, over your yeah. time? There's so many different ways, you know, actually. I think um, I was lucky that I found it the way I did at university. The most obvious one, which I think yourself and probably Ryan will appreciate, is, is Anaxis. Yeah, big I, shout out. I, yeah, Anaxis. I mean, I wish that Anaxis, I don't know if it was there when I was at university, but I wish it was there, but I wish I knew about it at least. Yeah. Because that's, that's exactly what social enterprise is, you know. So, um, uh, I would say like an actress or maybe even um, it's probably worth looking up online as well seeing that there's a lot of social enterprises that have student ambassador programs again this is not meant to be marketing but also on, on our website we do have links to social enterprises yeah. and um, we, are, we are setting up student ambassador schemes as well but I suppose it's just looking up 
finding out what companies are, are out there that are social enterprises just to make sure they're the right companies. But generally they are quite open. If you get in touch with them, they'll say, oh, we love, you know, we love what you do or um, we, we're definitely interested in bringing you in to do some to do some things for us. So, but yeah, there's, um, there's, there's, there's a few ways you can get involved in Actus. I mean, as a student, there's so many from um, in Actus to, there are some business schools that will give like lectures and talks about it. Um, some universities would invite social enterprises to come give talks during events such as Go Green Week or Sustainability Week or yeah. Human Rights Week, all that sort of stuff. So there's a few there's a few avenues there. Okay. And while you were working for these social enterprises, you were also sort of putting your feelers out and doing a bit of research into maybe starting your own social enterprise, right? Let's just talk about that experience of working for a company and sort of in the background trying to set up your own little side hustle. Yeah, so I suppose even when I was working with social enterprises, it didn't. It wasn't obvious at the time that I wanted to set up my own. You know, I was just enjoying what I was doing for these companies, but um, I think it was at some point when I was um doing different events for these companies in schools, universities, um, at other businesses. I thought, wow, I really enjoy it. Um, but I thought in my head, I was thinking, do these schools know about social enterprise? So I'd be speaking to teachers and saying. Do you, got, do you guys teach this on the curriculum? He said, no. So I thought, could there be something there that could fill, fill the gap? He said, yeah, potentially. And then, so I was, um, the more schools I was working with for these companies, the more um, feedback I was getting from students and you know, teachers and staff, just getting their thoughts. Because I thought social enterprise and youth, there was a big, big gap. So I started speaking to all these companies I was working for, saying, look, if I could promote you guys even more, through like lectures, workshops, business channels that I'd compile, would you, would you mind if I did that? And they, they were all like, yeah, go for it. It takes exposure for social enterprise and for them. I managed to um, get a contract with NCS to deliver business challenges across Yorkshire and the East Midlands. Yeah. And this was, this was before, well before I set up, um, a couple of years before I set up actually, and I thought, wow, the reach of young people we were working with, we were working with, I think it was about, about two, 3,000 kids That's in one summer. Right. And I thought, wow, this is really fun. And they're really getting into it because we were telling them, introducing what social enterprise was and um, setting them a challenge to maybe come up with their own ideas for change and maybe inspiring them to become future social entrepreneurs themselves. That's where the, the light bulb moment came thinking we could do this on a bigger scale in, in schools, colleges, universities, even primary schools. You know, we thought if you want to um, invest in change and inspire change, what better way to do it than go through people in education? You know, cause, you know they could they could be the ones inspired, and you know they're the ones who may or may not know what they want to do. So it could be an option for them. Yeah, yeah, great. <clears throat> and I think that's a very sort of exciting starting point of the journey that we can stop at and pick up later on. So now we'll we'll transition on into the word association game. Yeah, are you excited for this part? I definitely am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some people are a bit nervous, <laughs> like they don't know what they're gonna say, but. Um, no, it's a good little part. So basically, we're going to give you some words and then as quick as you can, just think of some, uh, some responses back and I'll write them down and then give you some questions on them later on. So, reality. Oh, it's going to be weird. I'm, I'm going to say fun. Fun. Potential. Opportunity. Education. Oh, future. Growth. Mindset. Health. Well-being. Dance. Oh, I, I <laughs> love dance. So, uh, 
expression or freedom. Oh, I like it. Freedom. I'll give you two for that one. Thank you. <laughs> Boring. Reserved. Summer. Exciting. Balance. Lifestyle. Guilt. Pressure. Right, that was, that was really fun, didn't you? <laughs> I felt like I was on Family Fortunes. <laughs> no points in this game, unfortunately. Just more questions. <laughs> but the one I'm going to jump straight to, because you had a really great reaction to that, was, was dance. And uh, you, you, you couldn't contain your excitement at the words. <laughs> so, do you want to say why, uh, why you're so excited about that and why you think dance gives you the um, expression and freedom? I suppose um, with dance, it's something I love personally myself, actually. I think it's, it's a great way to express yourself and have fun. It's something I've always been into since I was a child. And um, I, even though I never really had training in it, I always, I always loved, loved the notion of dance. I mean, my favourite film... It's um, Footloose oh, yeah. Kevin Bacon. So I, I, I loved, I always, I always loved that. And I felt like there was freedom, like you could do what you want. When I saw that film, that oh, the, the people in town, you know, even though they, they banned dance, they actually were allowed to do it. It was that sense of freedom and expression. And it's, it's great creativity. And it's, you can be yourself, I suppose, yeah. with dance. So See, I'm the same. You, you do dance quite a lot as a way to sort of relax and stuff. You know what, I'm embarrassed to say this, but it's part of my morning routine. So really? every time I wake up, I'll go downstairs and I'll put the kettle on and I'll put music on my headphones and I'll play some music and I might do a bit of freestyle or dance. And it's my, my wake up routine, but it also pumps me up for the day as well. If you have a good attitude, it's, it's a good way to go forward. And I always think that emotions are contagious as well. So yeah, um, yeah. I'll try and tell people that, you know, oh, let, let, let's, do, let's get some dancing at some point. And, yeah. That's great. Let's, let's go on to that now then, because you've sort of coined your, your attitude, which sort of spreads, right, as, as values vibes, based on your surname, oh, yeah. <laughs> which I think is great. But that, that basically came from people sort of saying, you're always smiling, you always seem to be in such a good mood. And, and your response was basically like, having this positive attitude, enjoying the freedom to express yourself through dance, you know, it's just like the way that gets you through the day. Exactly. I think I think you've always got to be be positive. You know. I think you've got to have the right outlook. I mean, even when we see people post on Mondays, say, "Oh, it's Mondays," but I always think, "Oh, Mondays a new new day, new week, new opportunities." I think you've got to be open and excited about the possibilities that are out there. You know, and yeah, when I'm when I'm out and I'm meeting people or doing events, I always try and maintain that positive attitude and more smiling and laughing and people feed off that yeah and um yeah i think the blues vibes is really weird because people say that had such positive vibes and then the idea just flinging my head about blues vibes and that i should promote promote that you know because obviously blues is my surname and yeah. the vibes and then um somewhere <laughs> on social media i joined the two together to make a w it's like loose vibes yeah. equals a W equals like a winning attitude. So oh, I've always nice. believed in that and I always trying to portray that, whether it's in person, on social media, even on LinkedIn as well. Although I'm careful not to be too crazy on it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into your sort of LinkedIn because that's the fun little space as well later on. But let's, let's go back to these words. So I guess education and future, that's a lot around what your company's about, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean... Um, our slogan actually is connecting the future. So um, obviously we, we connect with a lot of um, education institutions and young people, students, and we try and just um, give them 
show them what there is in the future, you know, that, oh, you know, social enterprise could be something you want to go into. I mean, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You could be in a finance or design, you know, to work in social enterprise because they're all, all normal companies. Um, so you have different skill sets and still be able to work with them, you know. I think with education, it's like, it's so, I think the thing with education in the future, I always have Nelson Mandela's quote that, you know, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the future and um, to make a difference. And I always remember it because it was in my university. There was a big, in the atrium where the canteen is, there's a massive um, wall and there's a picture of Mandela and the quote with that word. And it always, always inspires you to think, actually, we could, we could, you know, we could give young people so many different options and, you know, there's different futures that, that's, that's possible for them. Nice one, great answer. Then maybe one that I didn't understand as much was that your quick response to reality was fun. I, yeah, I, I was quite spontaneous. I think with that, I think that's sort of linking into my positive attitude as well. Because I think um, with reality, you can either see it as being negative and quite, you know, stressed and, you know, really sometimes goal orientated can be quite stressful. But actually, I think in reality, it can be quite fun if you if you make it. So I think, um, yeah, I think that's what I thought about it, really. I thought, you know, life depends on what your outlook is. It can be really fun. And obviously that can be reality. Yeah, okay. And then final one, guilt and pressure. When, when, I, when I work in social enterprise, sometimes I feel there's that added pressure because um, if I was just um, a normal entrepreneur, um, I know that you've got to have a thick skin to rejection, you have to have long hours of work, um, a lot of networking, you have to set, deal with setbacks. But actually, when you, with social enterprise, you've got that added pressure of having to make, make a difference. And um, I think sometimes there's that pressure that you know you've got to keep doing that because if you ever slip up then you start to feel guilty so yeah, i think yeah. that's where i kind of thought about pressure with guilt so you, you don't just have that burden of trying to make a profit to survive you've also got to make this positive difference as well exactly remember why it's like um remembering why you did this in the first place and actually sometimes that can be hard to forget but then i think sometimes when you feel like maybe actually you're not doing enough one week or one month, you feel like actually we could be doing more, we could make more of a difference. So that's that like added pressure. But also guilt, because you're thinking we've, not, we've maybe not made change as much as we wanted to on this, on this particular day. So, you know, it's a bit like a, it's a bit of a seesaw sometimes. Yeah, I bet, yeah. Okay, so let, let's go to that seesaw of the, the Sosin connection. Uh, carry on from the journey, how it started. So it started off with, you got this big contract with NCS, right? Yeah, so it kind of inspired me to, to, um, to set up. So then I actually pitched for um, some funding from my university at Lincoln and also Unlimited. And they, they kind of believed in what I was, my vision and invested in me. And then we carried on more of the NCS, trying to get more NCS providers across the UK, um, delivering social enterprise workshops and business challenges to young people on programme. But then we did also, through those programmes, there are great links for us to get into schools. So we wanted to like basically do what we did on NCS, but in schools, but obviously I, I did realise that they have obviously timetables, timetables in classes, so I'd have to adapt and set up specific classes if it's for an hour or do different things around around social enterprise and just inspiring them to um to kind of look at look at it. I mean, even though some of the students might be too young, I, I always inspire them to think you could also be a consumer of social enterprise, you know. Mm-hmm. You could you could, uh, you could be a responsible citizen or um ethical consumer uh, but we also 
love to go into schools to develop their skills. So when we did business challenges, um, we tell them to come with ideas, come with marketing, design logos, uh, make prototypes, uh, shoot videos. So we wanted to like develop their skills to give them more confidence because even if they didn't go to social enterprise, at least we'd be developing their skills for the world of work. So then we saw that actually some of our social impacts can be developing their skills rather than creating future social entrepreneurs. But then I guess um, we did a lot more with universities setting up student ambassador schemes as well. And then that's how we obviously found out about Enactus and also connected a few Enactus groups um, and started obviously supporting that. And then biggest thing we're looking at at the moment is something that we really want to roll out in the future is corporate training with sustainability, corporate social responsibility, social enterprise. And just in, just in inspiring um, the current workforce to even see what they can do with their actions and operations to be more sustainable and more, more positive in, in the community and the world as a whole. Um, so we are in talks with a few companies and we're about, you know, looking to launch some things in the near future. But with the soccer connection, we do a lot um, with, you know, education institutions. But also we do a lot with social enterprises as well and we promote them and we do videos, social media. Yeah, so th this is interesting because like, like with most companies, what you start off out as as a business, it sort of evolves and turns into something else. And as a result of you uh, sort of educating the youth on social enterprise, you've now sort of turned into this almost marketing agency for social enterprise, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it has, found, has felt really strange because we, we do a lot of um, obviously promotions and videos and campaigns for social enterprises. So it's sort of, it wasn't what I intended to do at the start, but then it's just something that's, it's came about and thought actually it's really good and it's really fun. And if, if it helps social enterprises get exposure and it helps them connect with young people, then you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to make that happen. I suppose it's sort of, Something I mentioned beforehand, actually, before the podcast, about being a magpie now, all these different opportunities arise. And even though it's not my, wasn't my original mission or goal, actually, it's something that I can still use and sort of come back to my goal in the future or can link it in at some point. And I suppose if it brings in, obviously, money, then I can still use that to, to, to make some impact in yeah. another way. So just to explain to the listeners what you mean by the magpie uh, thing. Ah, so the magpie thing is um, something that my, my, one of my teachers at university first called me because um, I'd find stuff that I was interested in and I'd just go and act on it. But I'd keep on jumping onto so many different bandwagons and not focusing <laughs> on one thing. So with, when I set the Soccer Connection, it was primarily meant to be a, um, a student ambassador thing. I was, I was, my original plan was to set up a platform where... I could get students to connect with other social enterprises. And it was, it was almost like a LinkedIn, but for social enterprise and specifically for students. But then I ended up going to like schools and colleges and then NCS. And then we ended up doing a lot of like marketing things for social enterprises. So I was, I was giving the same amount of effort for each different thing. Yeah. Um, when maybe, maybe I could have focused on one thing, but I really enjoy all the different shiny things shiny opportunities so i really enjoyed it so that's good so my question would be around people um listening and, and people that have their own businesses etc who want to build personal brands how do you find your new opportunities ah okay so it's really strange because i'm very active on social media and you get a lot of like fans and people saying oh let's do this 
But actually, the one social media that a lot of people probably, there's some people that probably don't really know about, which might sound strange, is LinkedIn. So I, every time I post a, an event or post something that I've done or something that I thought about a social enterprise or about the state of education or youth or skills, people will tap into it and think, oh, that's actually quite interesting. And they'll, they'll, um, they'll um, message me and they'll ask me, oh, we love what you've done. And um, we've had a look at your, your website and we've seen that you do like workshops or business challenges. And they asked me if I could do something for them. So I'll always, um, I'll always be open to saying yes and seeing what we can do. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tailor things for them. So um, a lot of my opportunities have come from mainly LinkedIn and obviously with referrals as well. And it always helps when you have clients on LinkedIn that will give you a recommendation yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or something. And I don't ask for it as well. Um, so it's a nice surprise, and, but it does help. So I really do appreciate that from, um, from clients. But I feel like LinkedIn, you can kind of tell your story and be more personal, you know, because obviously when I'm on social media, it's more about the company. But when you post on LinkedIn, it's more personal. I think sometimes people buy people. Yeah, you like to know more about people. And I think that helps as well, that they can see the passion that I have for social enterprise and for impact in youth. So yeah. So your your LinkedIn personality is quite different as well to what most so most people take kind of a serious approach on LinkedIn, don't yeah. they? It's, it's professional network. But people have almost described like a like alter ego with, with your thing, right? That's, a, that's that's a good way to say it, actually. Yeah. Sometimes when I do events at work, I can be super professional and um I try not to be too like jokey and stuff, but then sometimes it depends on the environment, the circumstance. And the clients, sometimes you can, it allows you to be more, more fun and engaging and bold, I suppose. But um, with like LinkedIn, for instance, I'm always quite personal and quite um, insightful and philosophical about things. And I'm quite honest and open. So I'll post different things and usually I'll get different reactions, but mainly positive. And I think actually it's great. It's great to sort of have that. And when people say, oh, we, we love that you're always doing pos- you know, p- positive vibes and um, oh, we'd love to see that more from you. So then I've become more, I try and be more open on, on like stuff like LinkedIn and, and when, I'm, when I'm working as well. But yeah, sometimes the situation doesn't always doesn't allow it. But um, I always try and be more more bold and more that fun alter ego person. No, I think that's, that's quite refreshing though for someone to come across like an authentic post on their LinkedIn rather than just the typical corporate, yeah. this is me, I'm very professional, look what I've done. So. Exactly, because I used to take it so seriously where... Um, I used to be that person that um, I'd be conscious about posting photos of night outs on, say, Facebook. Yeah. I'd be conscious about that. So I actually deleted quite a lot of albums from university. And I, I look back and I actually regret that because I thought they were some of the best times of, you know, of our lives. And um, actually, they're great memories of great people. And actually, probably we shouldn't be judged too much on, you know, our, our personal lives so much. But actually, I think what inspired me was look at the example of um, David Solomon, who's the chief executive of Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. and when I when I heard that he was taking up that role last year um, a lot of news outlets reported um, on him about his love of electronic music and right, okay. like DJs they thought wow this person that works high up in corporate yet everyone knows he loves to DJ I thought wow we actually should actually show more of ourselves and our interests mm-hmm. I thought actually it's good to know more about the person and not just their work so that, that really inspired me. Yeah, that's because everyone is a human behind that corporate figure, really, aren't they? We've all got our own passions and interests. So. 
That's good. I also have a question around, so a lot of people sort of see what you do on LinkedIn and reach out to you. How do you manage the gaining an income through that and, and the free gigs that you do? Because especially being a social enterprise, you must get a lot of people, like us, for example, and Aptus Loughborough, we said, can you come give us a talk for free? Like, how do you sort of manage what you do and don't do? I suppose it, um, it depends on a few different things, really, because um, I suppose with some clients, you, you've got to be willing to, to do some things for free, but then I think you've got to look You've got to look at the bigger picture and think actually, um, is this a client that you could really, really work with and, and gain revenue from? So, um, there's some clients that I had to do initial free sessions for just to give them a taster, yeah. really. And then if they liked it, they'll bring us on. But then there's other stuff like, like say, Nactus, that I'm really, I'm obviously, I'm happy to do all that stuff because you guys are also really passionate about um, impact. And so, I think sometimes I'll pick and choose, I'll, I'll understand the client. And what they need, but also what they can do. So, like with an actress, obviously I'm never going to charge them because actually I really support what they do. So I'm happy yeah. supporting that. But with with obviously like schools and universities, I might do a few few for free. But then I usually we'll have a discussion about oh, um, if you want to if you want to have some more, then we'll have to look at obviously charging and we'll see how sure. they react. And and then I'm always open to negotiation as well. So I'm not always like aggressive. I'm always sort of open to their thoughts and you know um, I'm always you know um, open to work with different companies and diff- obviously different budgets as well because there's, there's a quite a few clients that I offer the same thing to but I know what their their capability is financially so you know if they really want want it you know I'm not going to stop them but I'll always understand the bottom line as well so sure, yeah, yeah. you know there are times I've had to say I can't do that price or I'm not sure if it's possible yeah no that's um, fair enough oh, yeah that's good are you happy to move on to the pers- the public questions now? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so the public questions section is where at the end we get a question from last week's guest and then you get the opportunity to ask a question to our next guest. And we've also taken some questions from a Reddit self-improvement forum where people sort of submit their questions and you can offer your thoughts and advice to them, okay? Good. So the first question is from the Reddit self-improvement forum and... G Tenor thirty five asks, "When did you stop existing and start living?" Oh wow! <laughs> when I first heard that question for existing, not <laughs> living. Wow! You know what? I think that was around the time. I think it's during my masters. You know, because I was so, I was so like corporate in my head, thinking, "Oh, I might, I'll, I'll probably end up in law." Even though I had the love and passion of social enterprise, I always had in the back of my mind, law was the the sensible option. Um, so then, obviously, that's probably me existing. But then, I actually decided, oh no, no let's not do that. Let's let's go to social enterprise. So I, I think it's during my masters because also I started learning a lot more skills like presenting, which is stuff I do obviously a lot in my work. And you know, I had to present a lot, and I felt that developed me more. You know, having to present every week to my peers on my masters because I, I never had the chance to do my undergraduate. Um, so I think. My masters during that time when I was doing that, also, you know, doing all the social enterprise stuff, that really opened my eyes and thought, wow, this is this is life. Nice, yeah, yeah. Next question is from Win Rose Grove, and they've said, "What does the phrase don't worry about what you have no control over' mean to you?" That's a really good question. Don't worry about what you have no control over. 
you know what, I think you've got to accept all different situations though, because I think sometimes bad things can happen or setbacks, but it's not the end of the world. So uh, for instance, a common problem that I have sometimes when I'm doing all my work is there's some places um, or venues, locations that don't have internet access. So if I've prepared, for instance, say a Prezi presentation, then sometimes, you know, you could easily panic when you find out, oh no, it's not gonna work. But then it's like, actually, you know what, we can be all need it, we can, you know, we can do something else that's just be able to adapt. So I suppose um, you've just got, you've got to let things happen. You know? I don't think, don't let any setbacks get you down so much, you know, if you can't, you can't help things, you know, so just, just roll with it. I think there's one quote I have for this actually, and it's, it's really cheesy, but it's life is a roller coaster. Just got to ride it by Ronnie Keating. Yeah. And actually, I think you've just got to ride it, you know, so that, I think that's what it means to me. Yeah, yeah, so, I think that makes sense. Exactly like you say, there's certain circumstances and factors that are out of your control and you've just got to cope the best you can with that situation. Right? Exactly, exactly. Perfect. Um, and we'll now take our question from Dom, who was our last guest, Dominic Cow. So he runs a charity called Russ International, who deals with sort of HIV and AIDS out in India. Um, and he spoke to us about running his charity and also sort of marathon running and stuff like that. His question was, if you could have told you something to help you improve your position two years ago, what would it be? So if you could go back in time and tell yourself something two years ago that would help you now, what would you have said? That's a perfect question, because two years ago, for someone around two years ago, I probably set up the Soul Connection. Oh uh, yeah, that's, that's true, a really actually. good question, actually. Fits well, um, yeah. I suppose to me, maybe, I think that the one, there's one regret I have two years ago, where I said, I think, I wish I had more of like a mentor when I started out. Because actually, when you start out a business, it can be quite hard. And um, I think um, I didn't really seek um, a mentor as, as much as I could have. I found a few people, but then it was stop start. Um, but I could have been more proactive in finding people that know stuff. Because the thing is, there's always going to be someone that has the answers to the stuff I don't know. I think maybe it took me a while to realise that. And actually, I feel like there's some mistakes I made at the start. But actually, if I'd met people and been more proactive and asked the questions, then actually you know some some mistakes would be avoided and it's just simple things like um uh, for instance when I, when I registered my company i didn't realize i filled out the, 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 the registration form wrong right i feel like if i'd actually seen someone like an accountant form, maybe i could have actually filled out right so it's just i think i was quite naive when i started out so i think being more using my head more you know actually seeking people that know the answers mm-hmm. rather than just going gung-ho and trying to figure out myself yeah mentorship is something a lot of people speak about in business as well in terms of helping them succeed i think mentor was one of the words that we asked um somebody it might have been sally in the word association game and her her response to mentor was success um so it's quite interesting yeah yeah. how would you so you, you give yourself advice i want to acquire a mentor two years ago how would you go about that now looking back that's a word actually because I think originally back then I was looking for specifically a social entrepreneur, but actually it could have just been anyone involved in business because obviously with social enterprise, I've probably had no, you know, quite a lot about it already. So actually maybe I just needed normal, not normal people, people that are in different sectors like finance or um, say like marketing or, or something 
that could really help me. So um, I saw for me, I probably would have been more open-minded when I went to networking. Because sometimes I feel like, when I, back then, when I went to networking events, I thought, I'm not actually meeting the people I need to, but actually, I probably, I probably would have if I'd been more open-minded before. So I think I would have changed my approach, to be honest, because I was so tunnel of vision towards, it's got to be a social entrepreneur. Yeah. And it could have been, it could be someone who's been working in a company for, for X amount of years, or someone who's just got you know, a lot of experience in business. And I think that would have helped me a lot more. So I think I would have been more, more open-minded. I think I would have asked the question as well, because, you know, in life, you're always going to meet people who know something, who knows something that you don't. So I feel like I should have asked more questions. Okay. You know, so. Perfect. I hope that was a good answer to your question, Dom. I, I learned a lot from that. Um, and now, Anthony, the final question. You have an opportunity to ask our next guest a question of your choosing. So oh. what, what's been on your mind lately? What would you like an answer to? That's a tough one, you know. There's so many, in my head, there's so many questions. But I think, the thing I'd say is, what, what would you tell your teenage self that would prepare them for the future? Okay. So it's sort of similar to Dom's, but further back in time. Definitely, definitely. Because obviously a lot of work I do is, is with young people. And obviously, I think that's, that's potentially where you can really inspire people and, you know, make decisions and changes. Where they're most adaptable. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, good, good little connection to your business as well there. That's it from me, Anthony. Thank you very much for joining us. Did you enjoy the podcast? I did actually know. Thank you for having me as well. It's, it's weird because actually my mouth's so dry. I was thinking, <laughs> oh no, how am I sounding? But actually, no, I really enjoyed it. Good, man. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. Well, that's it for another episode of the 2% Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. If you or someone you know has a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. So please get in touch. Also, we're developing too. So if you liked the episode, give us some love on social to support the series. And if you didn't, let us know how to improve. Stay motivated, follow your dreams, and as always, do it with a smile.